Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Back, back from back from the pond, across the pond. Good morning to everybody who is with us. See some of y'all are jumping online. Yeah, it's happy, happy pre-Halloween, I guess. Um, I thought today was Halloween, so I was all ready to go trick-or-treating with the kids, but I have a little bit of jet lag, so, you know, that's going to happen. Got a few things to, to talk about. So I, I cut myself shaving, if you wonder, in what's going on there. I have a little beauty mark. <laughs> this is why uh, Cindy Crawford doesn't shave. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So, um, hey, I'm, a, I'm in a book. And it's going to be really strange that you're going to feel like, what is, what, Jay's in a book? Jay wrote, it, wrote a little part of a book? I did. And you won't believe what I wrote in a book either. You'll be even more surprised. Um, I wrote a little, I wrote a prayer in a prayer book. So how about that? Um, and so I, I got Robert, Reverend Robert Lee, um, contacted me about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago it was, because um, I was in Belfast. Um, we were negotiating the, uh, the documentary, getting the documentary sold, and um, Robert Lee, Reverend Lee, called me and asked if I would write a prayer for a prayer book, and I said, well, you know, I, now I'm feeling a lot of doubt and not feeling really prayerful, and he's like, well, you know, it's a prayer book for foster and adopted families. And he's like, I just feel like, you know, I know that's not your experience, but you've had a lot of family experience and I think you should give it a shot. And we went back and forth and, um, you know, finally I just sat down and said, well, you know, right now, what would I feel like, you know, sometimes when, you know, your father isn't present and, you know, God has his father idea and you don't know if God's there and what would, I, what would that prayer look like? And so... You know, I wrote it down and sent it to him and said, no pressure. I said, you know, I know this is, is kind of a, the doubter's prayer, but I ended up getting um, in, in this, in, in Robert's book. So there's the copy of the book. I just got it. I'm not sure if it's out yet. Um, but yeah, there's a little write-up on the back there. I mentioned somewhere inside here. But yeah, so this is, this is uh, part of the prayer book. A lot of different ministers and pastors and people and just folks living life um, wrote for this and um, so there you go yeah so if you get a chance and you're looking for a prayer book or you know somebody that this might be suit there you go um, I also had a really uh, close friend of mine who was uh, adopted and I thought you know this would be something great to kind of you know, dedicate to them. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Uh, what else happened this week? 
let's see. <laughs> so I went to London and uh, I got to see the Tammy Faye musical. And I think today is gonna be a little bit of like, is this a review or a talk or a sermon? What is this today that we're doing? And uh, you'll have to figure it out yourself, to be honest with you. Um, just a cool few things, you know, like I like to mention, um, I was really grateful for um, Karen, my ex-wife, to take the kids for me so I could fly out to uh, London. Really grateful to the organ, you know, the Tammy Faye group, Elton John, Jake, uh, Joseph, James, uh, a lot, so many names. Uh, the folks who made it possible for me to uh, pay for my flight and let me see the play. And it was on press night, um, the opening night. So that was really cool to be a part of that. Um, you know, but put me in a hotel, you know, I had time to explore. I got lost so many times in London. I had, I mean, I lived in New York and I had no idea like London was so big. I got so lost trying to find Johnny Rotten's uh, flat, uh, old flat. <clears throat> But I did find some cool things. I got to see uh, Kate, finally. We got to meet in person. And I got to see um, my friend Barry. Uh, you may know as UK Bloke. Uh, and, 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 and that was just awesome. Um, and then uh, my friend Maria had an extra ticket. Her and her husband had an extra ticket to go see, and Barry was there too, to go see Nick Cave speak about the, his last book. So I got to go do that at the last day as I got to go see Nick Cave speak. And it was really incredible because um, he talked a lot about like how we judge others and how we judge people in the limelight and things like that. And, um, and, and it was just great. It was, um, it was what was needed to end the trip. So it was just a nice moment to have that and, and, and listen to Nick Cave. Because here's a guy who's, you know, lost two children, been through a lot of hell, and uh, speaks very honestly and very candidly. And I, I was really grateful to uh, be a part of that. that he, he was interviewed by the guy he wrote the book with, and it was just really incredible. So um, thank you, Maria, for that ticket. And uh, I got to meet Jake, who you know wrote the lyrics to the music. And his mother was there. And his mom was awesome. She, like, as we went into the uh, theater, she just put her arm around mine and was just very motherly and, and knew I was nervous. And then she was really excited to meet me because she was a fan of my family growing up and things like that. And so that, you know, it was just, it worked out well. Um, I, 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 was, I was happy about that. Uh, the everybody was really kind and I felt like I made new friends. And uh, that's not usual for me, to be honest with you, because I'm very um, introverted, as most of you know. Anyhow, so what I wanted to do as I was preparing the talk, as I was like, you know, I want to tell everybody about the play. And I kind of saw some, some parallels of things that we talk about anyway in the play. And um, so I'm just going to go through it. Like, I just want to just blurt out everything I got from it, but then that would ruin the talk. So I'll try to give you the talk, and uh, maybe we'll jump this chart. I'll try not to give too many spoilers. Um, in case you're out there going to see it or in case it makes its way out here to the, the States. Uh, 
Um, but the Tammy Faye musical. So, you know, he, life has been very strange uh, f for me in that way of where, you know, you, 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 uh, you grow up in crisis, you know, you go through a crisis, you spend, you know, the I spent the first 11 years of my life on television. Then the next, you know, few years through scandal and, and prison and uh, rag magazines and tell-all books and, and things like that. I wrote my own book. Um, then, you know, then there was The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was an amazing documentary done by World of Wonder that came out, you know, and then because 20 years later, they make a major motion picture that wins an Oscar for Best Actress for Jessica Chastain. And so you're reliving like these people's interpretations of your life and really a part of my life that was, um, was really tough to go through, it was really hard to navigate. Um, and so it, it's interesting to, to have that, you know, to, to have your trauma retold in so many different ways and how people see it. Um, So the the musical because musicals are done differently, you know, you know, because it's not like oh we're gonna be you know and here I am working on a documentary where we're like going through every fact. I mean I just went through my father's whole like three appeal books, like going through them with fine tooth comb and all this stuff, and you know, talking to people who were there, talking to people who worked with Jerry Falwell. You know, we're doing a lot of stuff, and then you kind of come into this like this whole different type of, of, of uh, process of art, of, of life, of art imitating life, if you will. And um, so for me, like it was watching my life through a kaleidoscope, you know? So it was like, you know, you had a kaleidoscope and everything was kind of like blending together and mixed together, but it was very beautiful. And the music was great. Um, Steve, our Steve, um, was, was, was part of the cast. Well, well, he's not in the, I mean, not him himself, but someone plays Steve. And, um, that was just fantastic. I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit about that as I go through. Um, so that was just really interesting. You know, you someone playing my mom, someone playing my dad, actually the guy playing my dad, uh, his name's Andrew. I got to see him years and years and years ago. I got invited to a sneak like preview that was not even like it was, like in a warehouse or something, of the Book of Mormon, and he was playing the main character in the Book of Mormon. And so that was really cool. Um, but it really was a celebration of my mother's life, you know, um, the ups and downs of, 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 of her life um, and, and the joys of, of, uh, of living and, 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 and the life of suffering. So um, that was extremely interesting. Um, and here, it's funny because I was writing out my, my talk today here. I, I wrote like, there's three things that stood out to me and there's way more than three things that stood out to me, but there are three, I think, main kind of concepts that really stuck with me. And I'm going to see how this affects us as a community, how it affects us as, as people who are followers of, 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 of thinking differently, of arguing well, of trying to live life well. Um, 
it's really Halloween-y outside right now. It's like the wind is like, you know, it's pretty crazy. And I left the window open, so I've got this fly that I can't get, but we're, we'll get him. We're going to get that fly. Um, but there's a few things that stood out to me. One is, funny thing is, I was sitting next to a critic for The Guardian, and so he's doing his best to show no emotion because he's got to write this review for the paper the next day, and so he's sitting next to me, and I go, oh, are you a critic? Because he keeps writing in the dark, which was amazing. And he goes, yes, I am. Please, please don't ask me my opinion. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, settle down, Tiger. Um, and he goes, oh, you're, you're their child. You're their, you're, you're, I'm like, I am. I am the son of Jim and Tammy. And he goes, it must be very strange for you to uh, see this. And I said, yeah, it's very unique. I said, I've seen a lot of different interpretations, TV movies, actual film, documentary, working on a documentary right now. So yeah, I've seen a lot of, uh, there's, there's been a lot of interest. And I said, yeah, it's, it is it's definitely strange. Um, and so here it was just me and him. Um, I had some of the producers behind me and that was nice because every now and then I get a little pat on the shoulder. <laughs> um, just, but just being there, and this is what I really appreciated about the cast and, 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 and the staff and the writers and, and the producers reaching out to me, um, was just being there felt like it was being part of my mom's life again, you know, really continuing to share in her legacy, which I feel like I carry her legacy with me everywhere I go but this really felt like being a part of her legacy. Um, and a part of her life, you know? It, it's, it's in, people kind of, you know, seeing people celebrate her life, uh, up, up, the ups and the downs, it's still like, you know, you're able to kind of have that part that you've lost, you know? It's kind of like reliving that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, you know, but I, I do want to say again, like, I can't thank Elton and Jake and Joseph and James and everyone else who made this possible because it was really, in a way, it was a very healing um, thing. You know, it's not perfect. Not, you know, when you've lived it and you see people interpret things, you go, oh, 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 oh. but it was a musical, so you kind of keep that in mind, like, how this story works in effect and time and how these things, these, these work. But my mother's spirit and my mother's transparency was caught by the main actress. It was really just, she really blew me away. She had an amazing voice. Um, and she wasn't doing an impersonation. It was not like, you know, like she, there wasn't heavy makeup or anything like that. It was, um, it was like an impersonation. It wasn't an impersonation. I mean, it was like, you know, she was capturing the spirit of my mother, my mother's love, my mother's will to live, my mother's will to go through hard times. Um, you know, she, she, my mother was someone, and what I realized in this is someone who never knew how to give up. And, and, and she was, she was one who never knew how to give up and, and never gave up. And really, even at times where I, I think most of us would have given up, she continued to, to, um, to endure, to really endure. Um, and, and, and I'm gonna jump ahead, because you know, the first, 
I'm not gonna jump past the first act. I'm not gonna give you any details. Or I'm trying to stay kind of like as detail-free as possible, but there's a few details I really wanted to give, so that's why I'm kind of trying to skim, because I thought that they were important to share with you and important to make a point that really ends up uh, leading us back to really what we usually discuss here at, uh, at, at Revolution. Um, there was a scene that takes place after the scandal, and they have this song, and it's called Bring, Me the, Bring Us the Face of Tammy Faye. And Jake, who wrote the song, we were talking about this. He's the singer from, uh, really, one of the guys behind um, Scissor Sisters, uh, told me he wrote this because it was kind of inspired by the faith. People had those T-shirts that I ran into Tammy Faye at the mall, you know, and people made fun of her makeup and all these things. And so it was called Bring Me the Face of Tammy Faye. Um, and it was showing all the people turning on her, you know, people making fun of her, you know, um, the singers as they would interject, you know, some would say, oh, take off those eyelashes, look at her, she just, you know, are those tears real? And all this kind of, you know, all the ridicule that was there. Um, it was sad, yet it was very validating of what she and my family suffered to, to have that validation brought because, you know, when you get 30 years away from something, and you still feel the pain, but you know, most people are like, all right, buddy, it's time to move on, you know? And what I feel for myself personally is like this play, I think the work on, on, on this doc where we're doing with Vice has really allowed me to get to a point where I'm ready to kind of just do my own thing and, and move on a bit. I mean, my mother's always gonna be a huge inspiration in my life, my father as well. Um, but it, it was, I think along with, with having psychoanalysis and seeing this, it was just one of those things that was, it was a validation that sometimes you need. Sometimes you go like, why do I hurt so much? Why do I feel so much pain? Why am I so sensitive to how people of a particular faith act or how people in a particular, uh, you know, how, how the media reacts to other people when people suffer um, or are accused or when people are humiliated in the news? I'm usually thinking about the person being humiliated rather than dumping humiliation on top of them. You know, um, worried about the person's mental health <laughs> as they're <laughs> saying things that don't seem to make sense. And I'm going, you know, what's going on here? And uh, one of the neat things about seeing Nick Cave is saying, you know, we often sum up people by their worst, when their worst of their personality is exposed, sometimes we, we freeze people at that time. And he goes, that's not what I do. You know, he's like, we all have parts of the personality we don't want out there or seen. You know, and, and when you're an artist and when you're in the media, sometimes that thing hap that that's what happens is it gets out there and it's there and it's it's you know people don't wait till the end of the show they they just they stay there. And I found that to be really beautiful, um, you know, because I really want to be someone who believe I I really do believe in grace and I want to be a grace giver and I want to push grace as much as I can, you know what I mean. Um, I want people to say, oh, you know, too much grace. That's what they used to say to me when I was, you know, work, going to all these evangelical uh, events and things. Well, are you maybe a little too much grace, too much grace? You know, like, that's what I want, too much grace, mega grace, you know, pushing grace, living a life of grace, um, living a life of you are accepted, you know, embodying uh, Christ's words and Paul's words and Tillich's words and, and even some of Hegel's words about what this grace, what this unconditional thing really means. And it's not this unconditional thing that has conditions to get the unconditional thing. It's the, the living in that you are accepted by that which is greater than yourself. Um, 
you know, and it really focused on, on, on the, you know, what she, that moment was really focusing on the suffering that she was going through and the, my father and other televangelists as they were going through these things, you know, and, and a lot of them by their, by making, some of them made poor decisions, you know, some of them, you know, seemed to have the time you would have said these people deserve what they're getting. Um, but it was, it was something that val was a validation of there was suffering here. There was too much. It was too much ridicule, too much judgment. And I was thinking about how these days it seems that folks really struggle to see the suffering of others. You know, I feel like it's off. I missed, someone said something, asked a question and I missed it. I'm, I'm sorry. It, the, the questions just come up here so short, so quickly. Um, so I don't know what you're, I, I know it was about my mother and I, what, and then it just faded away. So I'll try to keep my eye open to see if another question comes up. Some guys, you just talk to each other, so sometimes I just kind of don't look, um, <coughs> which is fine, because, heck, man, that's why I want this to be the most comfortable place you can and help each other out. Um, <coughs> but I was going to say, it's these days, they seem, it seems like folks really struggle to see the suffering of others. You know, often we're very focused on our own suffering or who the person is we think is causing the suffering. You know, we're not often, you know, looking at individuals' suffering. It, sometimes it's, it's easy to be distracted, especially by the media and social media and, you know, all the hype that comes up. Um, but what was great is it really showed my mom's spirit, is that how she stood, to, to, she stood strong and refused to give up on herself, which I struggle with. I actually have given up on myself before and uh, thank goodness I was unsuccessful at that. Um, but she refused to give up, not on just only herself, but refused to give up on others and loving others. And so for me, that is like a huge, like, that's one of the things that drives me. You know, I was telling somebody recently, I said, you know, I've been feeling my faith again, which is something that I really have been struggling with over the past couple of years. And I said, I've really been feeling it. And it's funny because it's really becoming through things like studying philosophy, but also remembering who my mother was and what she gave to me as I've worked on this project. I asked whether your mom defended, accepted of gay people because they're people, if she defended the non-sinfulness of me. Uh, she stood with gay folks, uh, uh, loved them, and she was never fully affirming, no. Um, so funny thing is I, I often wonder if she would be uh, accepted in today when we have such um, black and white thinking, when we go, oh, you gotta, it's got, you've got to be 100% here, you can't question that you know she grew up in a different time than we did um, she lived in civil union you know uh, civil unions um, I have obviously taken her message and gone a little bit further with that obviously and built on that but much like I think of the Paul the Apostle building on, on reaching Gentiles you know th th things happen over time and who knows where my mom would have been today I don't know she's been gone almost 16 years <coughs> But, um, you know, binary thinking often, uh, binary thinking and contradiction and getting stuck in those areas uh, rather than accepting, embracing those often give us this, this the, the hide the, the deeper meaning, the deeper truth that's there. And I think when you see someone like Elton John 
and uh, Jake, uh, you know, two gay men writing these musicals and doing these things and celebrating my parent, my 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 my, my mother especially, and and people like Jessica Chastain. I think you see like they saw that a, a love that was beyond uh, the contradictions that laid maybe within the belief system or or or, or how, how one was raised to think or believe, or maybe the fear that one had of what the church community could do, that love spoke louder than doctrine. Um, anyhow, that's just my two cents. Um, but it, it was really, it's there, really, like it started to make sense. I'm like, God, this really makes sense why people celebrate the, the spirit of my mother. You know, she really did love people. She really did survive, and she didn't allow herself to become bitter towards others. You know, she didn't, like, um, she didn't become angry at others. She didn't preach against others. She didn't, even if she carried a lot of uh, anger and, and hurt towards Jerry Falwell, she eventually let that go as well. Um, I remember when I was the one who told her that Falwell had died, she wept because she felt like, you know, even though he didn't add I mean, he tried to destroy us and pretty much turn the, my parents into dust, but she still felt like he played a key role in our life. And then she mourned him and thought it was very sad because there wasn't the reconciliation that she had hoped would eventually happen. And um, to me, that still speaks a lot because I still struggle with that type of grace and that type of forgiveness, even though she couldn't put it into words or, or, or put it into theology, she had it. You know, she wasn't a philosopher, but she had something deeper. Um, and that was her, that's what her spirit shines through. And I think that's why this play was, uh, was so well done and almost like an abstract painting is that it captured the spirit of her. It wasn't just a caricature of here's Tammy Faye. And, you know, it wasn't focused on the makeup and things like that. It was really focused on the spirit of this human being. And I think that's when, something that we could all hope for in our own lives is that people understand that beyond our flesh, beyond our appearance beyond our faults and and things like that our humanity sometimes there's something great there's a spirit there that hopefully was something that continued to encourage people to live and live life well and feel love and feel accepted even when uh, maybe the majority of people were saying you weren't how beautiful is that um There is another scene um, that really, uh, really moved me emotionally. And um, that's the scene when my father, uh, my dad is, is arrested. And it, it's kind of a slow scene. It's kind of off to the side, you know, when he's having to take his ring off and take his watch off and take his shoes and remove his belt and, you know, and then he's handcuffed and taken away. Um, and... And it was just one of those really somber moments. And it follows into a few minutes later at another point where my mom and dad are visiting each other in prison. I won't go into too many details, but it, it was strange because um, the, the actor, Andrew, as my dad was worn, the, the khakis, the khaki prison uniform that my father wore, my mom, you know, the, the woman playing my mom, you know, they were both just there. And it felt so much at that moment that I wanted to just jump up on stage. I wanted to jump on stage because I wanted to hug my mom one more time. 
you know, because I knew how painful those visits were for our family and how tough it was and how it was just kind of this feeling like the end credits were about to roll. Like we just, like we, we, we couldn't go any lower because we hit rock bottom. We hit the rock, you know. You know, and, and I wanted to hold my mom one more time and, and I wanted to ask my father, you know, don't give up on me and tell him that I loved him. It was, it was quite a strong emotion. It was something that I'd never felt in a theater before. Um, it was quite a personal experience that I'm sharing with you. And um, it's one of those things where it almost felt like the th I even felt almost like, like shame for having those feelings, you know, or like, like ridiculous, like, oh, this is a play. I shouldn't be feeling this deeply. But then I said, you know, I'm not going to shame myself. I'm going to be me. You know, this is who I am and this is what I'm feeling. And I'm going to feel that way and that's okay. And I kind of hope, and what I really hope with a lot of you folks here is that you allow yourself to feel things, even when it may seem foolish or overreacting, that you allow your feelings to go through. You don't have to allow your feelings to define you. You can allow those feelings to, to come in and move on. But at that point, that was what I needed to feel. And luckily, I knew that this was a big play. And um, <laughs> that this was a giant play. <laughs> and it was press night. And uh, having the punk rock son of televangelist run on stage would not be something that would, people would like. It might be something that people talked about, but it would not be would not help those folks who were bringing me out. Um, but I allowed myself to feel, I allowed myself to cry. And it was funny because as I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to like the Guardian reviewer, you know, the critic, and he's very stoic and he's not clapping and he's not, you know, when he can't clap, he can't show emotion, he doesn't do anything. He just, and then like in the pitch dark, he writes in his little moleskin and then sits there, and, you know, and I'm crying, you know, like, you know, and he's just, you know, and the producers, uh, you know, the man, and it was the producers, him and his wife, every now and then I get a nice little pat. Are you doing okay? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, thank you. It was kind of really cool to have that support. Um, the hardest part, I think, for me was, is though, that my mother passes away in the play. And, um, And that's heavy, you know, because um, I originally did not really um, mourn my mother very well, uh, and I mourned her very little, and so that was really tough to go through that again. And there's a very hard felt scene where she passes and 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 is gone, and the whole everything goes black. And I just was thinking to myself. I was just, and then I really started to bawl, and I couldn't find my handkerchief. And I was thinking, like, if this ends, I'm going to be crying for the next four hours, and I can't find my handkerchief. I'm looking underneath me. I'm looking all around, you know. And I, and I look next to me, and I just see the stoic guardian, and he's just kind of like, it's just like a proper British man struggling with emotions. It was kind of a really interesting moment and a moment I'm grateful that I got to have, and then I just let myself go, and I just was like, all right, I got a jacket. I can, you know, take my glasses off and, and, and dry my tears. Luckily, I wasn't wearing my leather jacket. I had <laughs> another jacket on. Um, I even feel strange. It's like, it feels almost like being naked, sharing these details with you, but this is a play. You know, this is something that's open to the public. It's been sold out every night, you know, and it's funny because 
when I go to the UK, because I, I go spend a lot of time in, um, I, I spend a lot of <laughs> a lot of time in Belfast, and um, you know, most people are like, "Who are your parents? You know, who? What are you know, Jim and Tammy? I, I may have heard something about them. I remember one time she's like, "Oh yeah." I've heard of them, but at least at least your dad's not the guy who sells those food buckets on TV. And I'm like, oh, actually, that is my dad. And she's like, no, no, that's not your father. I know it's not. And I'm like, yeah, that's him. She's like, no, because I remember what Jim Baker looked like, and that's not, this guy has a gray beard. And I'm going, all right, that's my, to the point where she has, she pulls up, gets on her phone, and she goes, this is the guy I'm talking about. This, and I'm going, do you read the name underneath? That's my father. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, hey, you know, that's my dad. That's his thing. That's that's who he is, but yes, that's who I am. Um, but most people don't, you know, just didn't hear the news over there. So I, I think it's quite wild that there's this play introducing, this is their people's introduction to my parents and to my family. And I would say it's a, uh, it, it, it's, it's well done. Uh, you know, there might be a thing or two that I would twist and change a little bit because I've defended my family my whole life and there's, you know. But for the most part, it was really capturing the spirit of both of them. And I didn't think it didn't make my dad into a villain or things like that. You know, Jerry Falwell's in it, so you can guess maybe who. Even Jerry Falwell, though, is in a way seen as a as a product of his time and a product of his religion. And I even felt like it kind of gave a graceful view of this person. And Jimmy Swaggart's in it, and and um, uh, a lot of televangelists and you know are, are in it. I said, yo, you guys, if this comes to the states, you're gonna have to fix this and this because those were a little bit off. But no one here is probably gonna notice it. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was, it, it was really wild. Billy Graham is, is, is in it. Um, Steve Peters is in it. <laughs> the famous Steve. Um, you know, uh, Jessica Aron's in it. That, you know, that, that wasn't a fun part, um, for me, but that's life and what part of the story. Um, but yeah, so it, it was, it was, uh, so luckily, though, when, the, when my mom passes away and, and it goes dark, um, there was a very upbeat song. I couldn't recall which song it was. Um, <clears throat> but it was good. She got to heaven. Good to know, just, you know, in case anybody was wondering. And, uh, and so does Steve, but Steve's still alive in heaven. And he has a conversation with my mother. And I cried again because me and Steve have conversations about that type of thing and about how much my mother's meant to him. And, you know, Steve has is, 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 is got stage four cancer right now and going through chemotherapy and all that and, and struggling uh, to, with himself. But he still says, you know, he's still got my mother's cassettes that he listens to. So, you know, the real, like seeing this kaleidoscope of theater and then the reality of knowing what's going on and that he's still communicating with my mother, it, it was really another beautiful moment and it really helped me not kind of pull myself together, you know, and, and celebrate what I do have, you know? It's like my, my father s s stopped speaking to me and, and Steve and me, Steve came into my life, you know? And that's who I send my pictures of my kids to and we have conversations and, and, and who seems to really love me even though I'm quite a quiet person and that I'm not always the most communicative person in the world, still loves me and it's really a wonderful relationship. And so it was really cool to have that with him. And the actor who plays Steve was, 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 was a quite uh, an amazing guy. Um, is an amazing guy. Um, 
Now there was a fictional part to the play, and this is where the talk really goes towards what we're doing in Revolution. And sometimes fiction tells us the greatest truths, though. Sometimes fiction tells us the truth more than reality. Um, just ask my friend Peter Rollins about his friend Seamus, and you will realize that there are many truths in his fiction, in uh, the life of Seamus. Um, it gets to the point where we always joke about, like, oh, it's another Seamus story. Um, but in this, there's a secret religious group, and they, they run through the, the play, and this is part of a musical. This is part of the kaleidoscope of what's happening. And, um, and, and I was talking to one friend, and they're like, oh, I wasn't sure that was the, I liked that part. Somebody had seen it and said, oh, I wasn't sure that was that, my favorite part. And I was like, I, to me, the, I really liked it. I liked this, what it added to the story, what it added to the spirit of my mother. I thought it was very beautiful. And so there's a secret religious group, and there's the Arch, Archbishop of Canterbury, or Canterbury, um, the Pope, and then an evangelical, evangelical leader, and I can't remember which guy, which the leader of the evangelical, that one I should probably know the best, I did not remember who that was. But there's three of them. And the scene, and, and the set is all these squares. It's like just all these squares next to each other, and every now and then these squares will lift down, you know, lift, go down and you'll see people. And so there's this talk, and there's the Pope is here, the Archbishop is here, um, the Evangelical Pastor is here, and then there's like this space in the middle. And, you know, they're, so they're, 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 the, part, the reason behind their secret group is that they're watching for those who will usher in Christ's return. So they're always talking about, is this the moment we've been waiting for? Is this happening? And so their idea is, is the electric church, is Christian television, basically, is, is this what we've been waiting for? And they're, they're, they're keeping, a, keeping a watch on it to see if this is maybe what brings the revival and brings Christ's return. But of course, then all the scandals happen. My parents fall. Their marriage falls apart. The scandal happens. Dad goes to prison. Jimmy Swaggart has his thing. Pat Robertson has another scandal. You know, everybody, all these major evangelicals and televangelists start to have scandal after scandal after scandal. And so they're talking about basically that, well, I guess it wasn't the electric church <laughs> that was the answer. I'm sure now it's probably podcasts or uh, that will be the answer. YouTube channels. Joking late wink. Um, so they're talking about all these, these scandals that are happening. And, you know, this obviously isn't the one. This isn't the, the chosen one. And then one of the guys says, but what about Tammy Faye? What about happened to Tammy Faye? And the visual is, is my mother in a trench coat and her hair's messed up and this is the actress and, and her makeup's messed and she's just kind of a mess. And she's just walking backwards and she walks and, and so you have the Pope up here and the Archbishop here and the Evangelical leader here and they're talking about her and she's just broken. She's really broken. And um, to me, it was just the visual was so powerful because I'm sure they planned it this way because it kind of looks like a cross. And, um, you know, here you have this humiliated, tired Tammy Faye, mom. And the question kind of turns to the suggestive idea is the church is asking, the, these secret church leaders are asking is uh, basically, is there a chance that we maybe have destroyed another prophet, that we missed it? And we got so caught up in all the mess that we missed another one. It was, it was almost very Christ-like. 
of this 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 moment of of being completely uh, ridiculed and disgraced, and uh, did we miss another one? And why that was beautiful to me is I've been studying, um, getting ready for the beginning of next year, some new stuff on Paul and Galatians and things like that. And what that moment reminded me of, and what we often neglect because we want to look at, we always talk about, oh, the resurrection, he's risen. But the crucifixion, you know, it was a reminder of that Jesus was a disgraced on the cross, like to hang on that cross, to be seen as a common criminal, to would be, bring shame upon this person's life, bring disgrace upon them. And that if this is the Son of God, if this is God in the flesh, then you have the humiliated God on the cross. And I was thinking about that. And, you know, why was Paul so feverly, so fervently persecuting Christians and persecuting Christianity? Um, is because one of the things that Paul was passionate about was that why would you follow this, this uh, disgraced wannabe Messiah, this, 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 this loss, this mess, this failure. Why would, you, why would you allow this failure to be someone that you would follow? And, and, and because Paul felt righteous. He felt like, he, you know, this, this is no way that this could be the Messiah. And then later, Paul would be called to reach to those ones who also were considered disgrace. So Paul, when he has his conversion, focusing on this disgraced Savior goes, well, in my tradition, the Gentiles were also a disgrace just for being born. And these are who I'm going to reach. These are the people I'm going to, these are the people I'm going to love. And kind of lines up that whole moment of how powerful uh, the loss of God, the, the humiliation of God really plays in to the work of Paul and to the work of Christianity. And even through the resurrection, and I talked about this last week, the resurrection continues to point back to the crucifixion to that moment where Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Something that I think a lot of us have felt in our lives and even feel, may feel right now, and I feel a lot, you know, and like I said, just, just recently have I started to feel this presence of something that is haunting me, that is beyond existence, something that was passed on to me by my mother through philosophy and through my mother's life and I'm grateful to have that and my my goal is to pass that on to pass on the haunting now that it's Halloween to put on the ghosts and and the spirit of of something that's greater than ourselves that which accepts us the spirit of grace the spirit of redemption the spirit of hope uh, the spirit that does not allow us to be divided because we have different opinions. The spirit that says grace and forgiveness is what it's about, so you need to learn to argue well and not be afraid of conflict. Step within to conflict. Don't go to war. Do not destroy each other. Do not kill each other. Do not be consumed by one another. You know, live to live life and live life that might be a little bit difficult. You know, you may have to take up your own cross. You may have to walk into your own humiliation or the humiliation of others in order to show them love and grace, but never give up on one another. That's what this love is saying. And this is what people are seeing. These are putting, these, 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 these films and these documentaries and things have been put together by people who don't have anything. A lot of them don't have anything to do with the church or have a past in the church and aren't Christians and don't confess Jesus, but they're saying there's something about this love, this love that I'm seeing. And what I feel really lucky and blessed to have is to have a mother who grasped what that love meant, knew that 
that love was greater than all the theology and all the doctrine and all the philosophy in the world, that that love was greater, that that grace was greater than all that. And I am beyond, you know, living under the shadow, that's a big shadow by my parents cast. But that's okay because the gifts that I've taken with me is to show love and love radically. And often that shadow has gotten me through the door, has allowed me to write books, has allowed me to do work like this. And uh, it feels divine in a way. Um, so it was quite a powerful week, you know, and to end it with, <clears throat> with, uh, with seeing Nick Cave and, and hearing what he had to say about other people who've been humiliated in the media and people, things like that, and to hear his words, you know, coming out of what his brokenness that he survived was really beautiful. And um, seeing Steve, and it was just also just healing. Um, and and, 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 and it's something kind of silly happened on the way there is that I was, when I was getting on the airplane at, uh, in, in London, they said, boarding all people now. And so everybody started running for it. But I guess they've been, the, the, the speaker was down and they've been making announcements vocally. And I, we didn't hear the saying that it was only certain groups were allowed. And I ended up having an argument that went too far with someone who worked there. Um, I won't go into the details, but it was kind of humiliating. And I had to go sit in a chair and I was told I wasn't going to fly and all this kind of stuff. And I, I really didn't lose my temper. It was just a misunderstanding. Um, but it was really humiliating and I felt like, oh gosh, this is, a I even had to call Jake and be like, I don't know if I'm going to fly home today. I, 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 I questioned the, 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 this sign, the, the electric sign that they had put up and asked them if they could change it or take it down and they got really angry with me. Um, so I get on the airplane and I'm just a frazzled, just completely frazzled just trying to get my stuff together and like, I just got to get home, you know, this is going to pass. And, uh, and then over the loudspeaker, the captain's like, yeah, sorry. Sometimes we get unruly, uh, passengers, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my God. Or I'm like, I'm just like so humiliated. And so the lady next to me starts talking to me and I'm like, yeah, I'm really embarrassed because I think they're talking about me. And I said, I said, it was really just a, a big misunderstanding. Um, I was trying to be helpful and it was not very helpful, I guess. Um, and so she starts asking me all these questions. I'm like, are you a therapist? She goes, no. I said, well, are you just, what are you doing? You're here in London? She goes, no, I've just come from Israel and I'm with a church group. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what, what denomination are you with? And, you know, are you with a denomination? Because she asked me, she, but I didn't. I said, well, that's a hard question to answer. She goes, oh, are you with a denomination? I'm like, no, I don't follow denomination. I kind of feel like my theology and, and, and scholarship grows so much over time I can't really subscribe to one group and she said oh I understand she's well I'm Southern Baptist so I was like oh and what probably should have been a moment and she goes but I'm not like the this you know the, the Falwell Southern Baptist but I'm still Southern Baptist and I was like oh this should be interesting and we just had a really great great conversation and we talked about what she was doing she asked me about my life and asked me about the play and we just had this great conversation for about the first 30 minutes of, of, of just they ended up not having enough baggage people, so we got delayed even longer to for the plane to be loaded up with baggage. And we just kind of had this conversation. It was really a nice moment. And I'm saying this as a person who I don't believe in like predestination, and I really struggle with believing in miracles and, 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 and things like that. 
But I will say, like, the Nick Cave thing and then sitting next to this Southern Baptist woman who I thought, I probably definitely would have thought I was a heretic, showing me this love and this grace and compassion. It was just like my mother's spirit just kind of just moved through the whole week. And uh, it was really beautiful. It was a really beautiful moment. And I'll end with this. Um, I always think, I think it's in Corinthians where it says, what the world considers foolish will shame the wise. And I thought about like how many people thought my mom was foolish. And I remember Jerry Falwell saying that the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top and my mom's brain and people always give me the face of Tammy Faye, you know, the, the mascara, the makeup and all this. But it's like what the world considers foolish will shame the wise. And I'm thinking now how people are celebrating her life and seeing her as a beacon of hope and a beacon of like true Christianity and how really amazing that is. And um, so that, I guess this is, you know, is this, a, is this a, a, a review of a play or an experience? Is this a sermon? I, I, you know, I think this is just for me today is a testimony of the past week of something that really great happened and that I think, I hope will encourage all of you uh, as this is, is that, that, that sometimes these disasters in our lives that seem to be the end and that there seem to be no hope and when even the right and the left cancel your, your life and your family and your parents and your carry a last name and your dad believes in that the world's gonna end in a certain way and is selling food buckets and stops talking to you and your mom is gone and all these things happen, there is still hope finds a way. Hold on, don't give up. You know, my mom always saw, used to sing the song, don't give up, you're on the brink of a miracle you know and so it's that kind of thing of like i felt alive and i it's funny i was sitting there and i had my jacket on in the airplane and i have this button and if you can see it says i am a me <laughs> but it, what it really says i'm a mess and i have like 10 of these buttons people always oh that's a, I, so I take them off and give them to people because they're like i feel like a mess too but something happened on the plane where i just said you know, even if I'm a mess, I'm still me. And I took out a magic marker and I took, crossed out the two S's. So that's, uh, what a weird week. What a great week. What a fascinating week, you know. And, and some of you are probably thinking, did he talk to Elton John? I did get a chance to, to chat with him uh, FaceTime. Um, but I'm going to keep that personal because that was a personal moment and it was a really lovely moment. Um, so I'm hoping that this helps you not want to give up like my mom never gave up to go through that thing and show obviously that I have realized that I've got to keep going and moving forward and can even find hope in my tragedy and in my brain and a lot of my hurt that drove my life for a long time to see a, a type of redemption happen in a way that I never thought possible. And I don't feel like a very lucky person, to be honest with you. Um, my life, uh, especially the past 15 years, has, has been kind of tough. Um, so... I hope you can accept yourself as part of today's talk. Maybe we're not talking about other people right now. We're talking to you. Accept yourself. Put your hand on the television screen. Because um, <laughs> I'm working on that myself. And my mom had this book that said, I gotta be me. And I feel like that play captured that idea. Is I, I gotta be me. And um, I realized, I gotta be me. I gotta stop trying. To, I can't be other people. I can't be Brennan Manning. I can't be Rob Bell. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not um, Henry Rollins. I'm not Pete Rollins. Um, I'm me. I'm not Tammy Faye. I'm not Jim Baker. I just got to be me. And I hope that you can understand that you've got to be you. 
I remember one time I read in this book, and it was an emergent book of all places. I was really surprised. It said, like, it wasn't godly for Tammy Faye to write a book saying, I got to be me. That's selfish. You've got to die to yourself. And I think only when we die to certain things of our life and ourselves do we realize who we truly are and that we are us and that we are called to be us as individuals and interesting and that we all are just created out of the same old junk and God doesn't make any junk, as my mom also used to say. And uh, we're all going to have ups and downs. Um, but there may just be hope for us at the, the, in the long run. Even after, you know, my mom passed and didn't get to see any of this, and I think she really would have been touched by it. Um, but, 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 but something happens there, you know. So don't think like, you know, I think about like uh, the artist who cut his ear off, who has never saw that people loved his paintings, you know. My mom never got to see this part of her life celebrated. She got to see some of it, which is really lovely, but she never got to see how far it really went, you know. Um, but there's a grace there, and there's a hope there, and there's a hope built in for us to see that, that even at the end, it's not the end of our story, you know. So whether you believe in an afterlife or not, you know, I always say, you know, do you believe in life after death? I believe in life before death, you know. But, but, but death is not even the end of our stories. And uh, so love well, accept yourself, help yourself accept yourself so you can accept others. And so you can argue well with others and show love. So after you're gone, that love that is eternal continues to grow and continues to move forward. I mean, if you had told me like my mom, my silly, funny, crazy mom who loved to go to movies and go shopping and, and do all these other things in life and all these other distractions in life would be held for being a true Christian to the world, you know, who would have thought it? Um, but it happened. So there's some good news today. I, I don't think you're probably used to seeing me smile like this or be, ah, um, be, be happy about something, but it's, it's good news. So there's some good news for you folks. It's not all dreary. You know, I usually say, you know, oh, we don't play no happy songs here at Revolution, but today I guess is, is a happy song. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and just the business of the, uh, of, of the church and revolution and all that, or the gathering, I mean, sorry. Um, hey, if you like what we're doing, you like what's happening, um, we have not brought much income in this month at all. And we are really, 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 as a, if it wasn't for another job, I would not be uh, paying my bills and being able to take care of my children. And so um, I would really be blessed and, and excited if you guys could make donations to Revolution Church. It's almost the end of the year. Um, it helps us pay for the, the sites. It helps us pay for uh, our financial guy who makes sure that all the finances and everything are in order as well as it pays me a, uh, a salary. And uh, hopefully will eventually help us do other things and get Josh on, on staff and things like that. Um, but right now we're, we're, we're not doing that. And I, so I have to ask, you know, if you like what you're seeing, please help. If not, we, this might not be here as often. Um, it'll, it'll try to keep it there in some way, but we do need your support. Uh, and you can just do that by going to revolutionchurch.com and pushing support. And as always, if you could just tell people about the YouTube channel, tell people about the Instagrams, tell people about the Twitter, retweet, re, you know, put the talks on the Instagram stories and uh, spread the word. That also really helps us a lot to get out there and uh, do this work. So thank you so much. Thank you all. I'm really glad that I got to, you got to be the first people I share this with. I have not shared this with anyone else. I mean, a couple individuals, but you know, I, I just thought 
should I do a separate video about it? And then I thought, no, I'm gonna do it to The Gathering because this is part of what The Gathering is. And I've got to be me. And that's who I am. And that's where we are today. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Happy Halloween. Have fun. Um, be safe out there. And uh, yeah, thanks guys. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.